0: This is talking business. Well, I'm joined now by Ajit Kurana, who is the CEO of ZebPay, which is a Singapore-based uh, cryptocurrency exchange. Hello, Ajit. Thanks Hello. for joining us.
1: I'm so Thanks happy for to popping be here. into Melbourne from Singapore. Oh, it's my pleasure entirely. It's a little cold here compared to Singapore, but I like this.
0: That's right. Now it's it's certainly colder than Singapore. That's for sure. Now. Um, uh, explain what you what
1: ZebPay does. So ZebPay is a, a very simple business model. Uh, it is, uh, we call ourselves a cryptocurrency exchange. So people who have fiat money, which could be the US dollar or the Australian dollar or what have you, when they want to first buy the, some cryptocurrency such as Bitcoin, they come to an exchange such as ZebPay and they swap their fiat currency for digital assets and the reverse is also possible on ZebPay.
0: So, do you enable um, people to spend the uh, the money, the, the cryptocurrency, or is it only for traders? Uh,
1: so, we are not a payment gateway. So, for instance, we, you wouldn't come to us if you wanted to buy something online using Bitcoin. Uh, that happens in you know associated or ancillary uh, businesses. We are just the on ramp and off ramp. As in, how do you get into the world of crypto, or how do you get out of the world of crypto?
0: So, there are I think there are about three thousand cryptocurrencies at the moment. Um, Uh, How many do you deal with?
1: So, uh, while we deal only with six, I must tell you that uh, you and I, before this conversation is over, could have launched over a dozen cryptocurrencies. It doesn't mean anything. It's just like saying that there are a billion books in the world. How many have you read or how many are important? In reality, I don't think that even by a stretch of anybody's imagination, more than 30 to 40 are of any significance and probably the first Two or three account for 90% of the volume in any case. Right. And the first two or three are? Bitcoin, Bitcoin. number one. Yes. Ethereum, number two. Yes. Number three sometimes moves between Bitcoin Cash and Ripple. And then there is Litecoin. I have already listed five of our six uh, tokens. And the last one is EOS.
0: Right. And that's it.
1: I think <laughs> this accounts for more than 95% of the trading volume.
0: And so are you getting more business now with the, the Bitcoin has gone back up to $11,000 US?
1: So... A customer psyche is very interesting. Sometimes when the price rises, at least in the initial stages, uh, customers tend to feel, oh, now it's too late. I should have come in when it was lower. Uh, Past experience shows that when it rises still further, at that point, they are like, damn it, I'm getting in now. And this is a phenomenon seen in most asset classes, including stock markets, where a lot of retail interest picks up at the very peak of the market. So, no, in the recent bull run, which went uh, slowly from 4,000 to 8, and then very fast from 8 to what's 12 today, uh, we have not seen many new customers come in, but we have seen increased activity in existing customers.
0: Right. Because it was interesting that um, the Fed chairman, Jerome Powell, Uh, said in testimony to Congress recently that he thought that uh, Bitcoin was speculative gold or speculative digital gold. Do you think that's correct?
1: So what is interesting about uh, everybody's perception of Bitcoin, and I would include myself in this, is that sometimes we speak of Bitcoin as it exists today. In which case, looking at it as a speculative instrument or as an instrument which is primarily used for speculation, I think is a reasonable assessment. However, the excitement around Bitcoin is not because, hey, we created another speculative asset. The excitement around it is what it can become. Right. And this creates the two points of view.
0: <laughs> right. But, but I think that the, the proposition is that it's, it's primarily now a store of value and people i talk to about it suggest that it really is never going to become a medium a, of exchange a medium of exchange because it's too volatile and that the the ones that would become a medium of exchange are the stable coins like tether
1: so stable coins such as tether or facebook libra or jp morgan coin which they use only for internal purposes could because they are just digital representations of existing fiat currencies are very easy to understand. I think that the volatility element of Bitcoin is not very well understood. Uh, On the one hand, stocks are necessarily more volatile than bonds, but it is in their nature to be volatile. Bitcoin is a little different. And one of the things that causes it to be volatile is that very few people are in the Bitcoin ecosystem yet. And when a few more come in because the market cap is only around 200 billion dollars when a few more comes in come in there is price slippage which is you know the movement in price with just a little demand of uh, sorry little change of demand and supply i think this is one of the biggest reasons for volatility now when the number of people who get into bitcoin goes up from let's say half percent which might be the number today to let's say 15% I think that the volatility would have to necessarily, by the laws of economics, uh, reduce.
0: Hmm. One of the things I don't think is widely understood about Bitcoin is that, uh, and particularly in relation to gold, is that whereas there's no limit to how much gold can be mined, there is a limit
1: to how much Bitcoin can be mined. So first, you're right. There is a determined amount of supply and we know how much Bitcoin would be created ever. Uh, I think what is specifically interesting, because somebody could maybe say that, you know, the total gold reserve in the earth is this much, of which this much has historically been mined, as in somebody could make the argument that there is some finite amount, right? But in Bitcoin, not just is it finite. It is precisely known when we are going to get how much. And I think that that algorithmic monetary policy, if I could draw an analogy, is one of its attractive features.
0: Yes. And well, in fact, gold um, is also owned by uh, central banks That's in correct. large amounts and could, and they buy it sometimes, but also they could sell it. That is correct. Um, so the, the supply is difficult to predict. Whereas, as you say, Bitcoin supply, I mean, so do you think that therefore that Bitcoin will become more of a store of value
1: in time? So I think that is the common perception. I think that it will certainly become a store of value, whether it will be much more than that, such as uh, technologies on top of Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is like the road. Now, what will a road be used for? Or what will the internet protocol be used for? Depends on the apps or the applications that run on top of it. So it is possible that many more applications will be created, which will be used for everything right from storage to authentication to being a medium Doesn't of exchange. Doesn't it shape. apply
0: more to Ethereum because it can uh, it contains smart contracts within the within uh, within the the, 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 within the coin, as, as you call I it? I
1: think a case could be made that Ethereum and some of the other uh, protocols have uh, programming capability, smart contracts, built natively into the protocol. And that adds to the charm. I agree that the case could be made. However, It is not very difficult as we have seen from a level 2 technology such as the Lightning Network that you can always create apps on top of. Uh, you know, the Bitcoin protocol. It is like when we used to have the BlackBerry, the Messenger was coded into the BlackBerry and that was the greatest feature. People would have the BlackBerry Messenger as if it was the greatest thing. But now when you have Android, which does not have a built-in Messenger, we still use WhatsApp and so many other messengers. So I do not give as much credence to the nativity of smart contracts.
0: You personally, you've, you called yourself, you are an angel investor, but also an entrepreneur, long-time Standing, How did you end up uh, running a, uh, a cryptocurrency exchange <laughs> in Singapore?
1: So I must tell you that uh, I first noticed Bitcoin in the year 2014. And uh, along with being an angel investor and an entrepreneur, uh, one of the things that you don't know about me, because it will never feature on a resume-like element or on my social profile, is that I've also been an investor in many uh, esoteric investment classes, so right from comic books to wine to art, this is in addition to my real estate stocks, bonds, and their conventional uh, investments. So in 2014, I said, hey, you know, this price graph of this strange and bizarre thing called Bitcoin looks like it needs more attention. I read up about Bitcoin for a few minutes, and I said, ha, this is never going to work this doesn't make sense. But I kept flirting with Bitcoin for two years. And then in September of 16, I said, let me buy a little and then sell it to see if this can actually be done. And that was uh, love at 100th sight, as in I just never came back from there. Eventually, I met the founders of Zeppe. And uh, one of the founders, I had mentored him in his earlier venture. And he had asked me to, you know, for advice for Zeppe. And uh, it's a, it ended up being, being CEO of Zepay.
0: 2016 was a dangerous time to fall in love with Bitcoin. Yeah. Did you get burnt uh, <laughs> so, so after the thir- the crash of 2017? So the, so
1: the good thing is that Bitcoin was priced around 500 to $700 when I entered. At its peak, it reached 20000 yes. And then post peak the bottom was at 3000 plus so compared to my starting point of 500
0: oh, so you held all the way through i
1: held all the way through you weren't buying
0: you weren't buying up to 20000
1: no i wasn't i think the most i bought was probably at uh, i did i do think i bought at a uh, few thousand dollars maybe 2000 dollars or so so you still holding them i'm still holding them so uh, one of the things about my investment philosophy first i don't trade and I wish I had the magic skill of being able to buy and sell every day and turn a profit. I don't have it. So I buy and hold almost all of my assets for very long term. Right? So these are so all of these are parking, opportun- sorry, parking opportunities. So until I could feel confident about Bitcoin that I can hold it for the long term, I wouldn't have bought it.
0: So where do you think Bitcoin what what do you, what price do you think Bitcoin can get to?
1: So I'm going to have to throw in so many disclaimers before reacting to that that I won't throw them but I hope that all of our listeners know that nobody can predict it this is not financial advice having said that Uh, we could look at it in three different ways. One is, if it starts looking like a store of value like gold or a medium of exchange like some of the fiat currencies, we could say that maybe the market cap of Bitcoin could start looking like the market cap of some of these other things. Maybe even a fraction of that. If that happens, then these rather scary numbers like a million dollar per Bitcoin could someday become the truth, as in in our lifetime.
0: Because because uh, I think one thing that's not generally understood about Bitcoin is that it's divided into satoshis. That is correct.
1: 100 million million. That is One hundred
0: million satoshis per correct. Bitcoin. That is correct. And so in time, you, you could start, not talking about Bitcoin, but could start talking about Satoshis.
1: Yeah. Which are like one cent each. Yeah. And, and, you know, this actually is a pain point for all of us. The reason being that a lot of people wrongly assume that they have to buy one Bitcoin. Like because a lot of other assets, such as, let's say, equity shares in a company, typically can't be fractioned unless they were in a pooled entity. So they feel, oh, the minimum entry point is at 15000 Australian dollars. So you're right, it can be divided into that. And here is another thing that may not be well known, that when you look at the Lightning Network, you can even go to fractions of Satoshis. Fractions of Satoshi. That is correct. Because at the moment, a Satoshi is worth very, very little. That is correct, yeah. So micropayments and then what can we call it? Nano payments.
0: Nano payments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been very interesting speaking to you, Ajit. Thanks very much for coming in.
1: It is absolutely my pleasure, Alan. Thanks for having me. I've
0: been talking to Ajit Kurana, who is the CEO of ZebPay.